Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. When you go to hackathons, right, you get exposed to a lot of other things which others are building. So your mind gets ignited with a lot of ideas, and you don't know which idea might spark you. In the Women Who Code Career Nav segment of our show, you'll hear real-world advice from people who are currently working in the technology industry and personally know the steps needed to succeed. Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. I'm Natalia Days, the Senior Director of Communications and Marketing, and I am very excited about today's topic. We're going to be discussing unconventional ways of starting your tech journey. We have a very, very experienced and interesting guest today. Um, Let me introduce you. Laisha is a senior software engineer with Goldman Sachs. She's a big-time machine learning enthusiast, and while she's not working, she builds AI and ML-based applications for social good and works on building applications at scale while at work. She loves building and hacking. She's a serial hackathon winner, including Microsoft AI Hackathon, SaberHack, Amex AI Hackathon, and many, many more. People people often call her the hackathon girl, which I absolutely love. She's also a tech speaker, blogger, podcast host, mentor, and global ambassador at WTM Google. She believes in hacking her way through life one bit at a time. Laisha, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Natalia. Really excited for this podcast. I am too. Unconventional ways of starting your tech journey. I think in 2023, people are going to be really interested in what you have to teach us today. Absolutely. I mean, uh, the dynamic of getting into tech, I think that changed quite a bit while we were all, you know, confined to our homes when people had a lot of time at their expense to kind of understand, learn new things. But I feel uh, a lot of people still follow a very traditional route of going on into their tech journeys that generally starts probably through a degree in tech or um, some sort of education, and then they start getting into that journey. I believe there are multiple number of ways in which you can get started. And uh, I think um, there are boot camps, there are online courses, and the best of all is hackathons. I'm a big time advocate of hackathons, and I would suggest anybody to go to one, even if they don't know anything about it, because it will teach you things that probably um, your work or probably your traditional degree systems would take years to teach you. Hackathon will teach you in 36 hours or maybe 48 hours. So yeah, that that's the most amazing aspect of it. That's awesome. I can already hear your passion. So I'm, I'm excited to hear more. Um, why don't you start by just telling, telling um, our listeners how you first got interested in technology um, and maybe the unconventional ways that you've advanced your career? Absolutely. So for me, the inclination towards technology started back in school while I was in my high school. And that's the first time I had actually built a website. And that got me interested in understanding what is actually powering the entire web. Why does things work this way? And then I eventually decided that I'll go ahead and do some of my my higher studies in this space. So I did a bachelor's of technology in computer science. And while I was in college, I feel that is the time where I got a lot of time to try different things. Um, I tried web development. I tried AI. I tried deep learning. I also tried um, a lot of robotics, a lot of human computer interaction, sort of VR and AR. So I think I did give everything 
a good try so that I can understand what really works for me. And I think that's the first important thing that you should understand. A lot of times I've seen what happens is that when you go to college, you'll just be you'll be learning the skill that's most you know needed in the market because obviously everybody wants a job. But what I feel is that you should try your hands at different things and see what works for you. What is your passion? What is driving you? So for me, that was machine learning. And while I was um, in my sophomore year, I realized that I wanted to do something more in it. Back then, I think computer vision was the buzz. Everybody was talking about some crazy GANs and generative art and all of those things. And that got me excited into getting to know the space even more. And I think that was the time when I first started participating in hackathon. Microsoft hackathon was my first national hackathon. And I think that's the time where I went all in without knowing anything about hackathons and even about machine learning. Back then, NLP, all of those things were like foreign terms for me. So I feel that hackathon gave me the opportunity to learn something. And given that I had a deadline, I had to do, I had to learn, I had to experiment, brainstorm and everything included in that confined time. And when I came out of that hackathon, eventually won it, I learned so much. And that kind of paved the way for me to start going to such events more. That also gave me a lot of opportunities to network. And then uh, starting my sophomore year, I started doing internships. I interned in a gaming company, then I interned in a data science firm. And all of those things, I think the connections I built through these events came in very handy to crack those internships, to make those connections and work on projects which would which were making in some sort of impact. So I think uh, a good network and at the same time, building a personal brand around it really helps you navigate all of these things while you're in college. And it also goes a long way in working on certain exciting projects that you might be uh, interested in when you look at it. It could be open source. It could be an interesting research project a lab would be working on. So I feel all of these things pave the way for me to kind of venture into this whole space and um, kind of also publish some research papers in my early years of college. And that kind of added to all of these learnings. And then eventually, um, as people progress, I also moved up the ladder and now I'm working as a senior software engineer. But I still feel that uh, one should never lose the spirit to build. And it's not about... Um, you know, learning technology, that's important. I always feel that people should focus on learning to build things than just learning the technology. So I think that's the that's the most important aspect people should remember. I love that. When you started to answer the question, um, you, you made specific mention about kind of a traditional um, way of learning to grow in tech and then a more unconventional way of maybe doing like hackathons or boot camps, things like that. Um, for people who are maybe thinking of like a career pivot or who are just getting started, what do you think are the value or is the value behind doing um, more boot camps and more hackathons and things like that? Right, absolutely. So right now I see a lot of people who have started coming into the tech field because uh, I would say that that bridge that used to connect different fields to tech has become smaller with a lot of AI related features coming up. It has become easy for people to use technology. However, I feel that anybody who's planning to say somebody like me, who is in the core AI ML space, say I wanna go in the cybersecurity space, or I wanna uh, try the Web3 technology, which is again, a hot space right now. I would ideally start looking at opportunities where 
I can get upskilled, but at the same time, I can connect and network with people in that field. And I think the easiest way to do that is either through boot camps, it could be either online, it could be in person, or it's hackathons. Or I would say the, there are a lot of events that happen, like Women Who Code also organizes a lot of events. And I think I've met some amazing women there that have kind of given me a lot of good advices along the way. So I feel go to events, you know, attend events, talk to people, what you are planning to do. Uh, you know, look at people's journey. That's one thing. Another thing I feel is that when you are doing all of this, when you're planning to go into another field, you should try to build a brand around yourself. In terms of, let's say I am someone who wants to go into the Web3 space. How I would navigate it is that I will try to build some project and try to build in public. Telling people, okay, this is what I want to build. This is where I'm at. This is my daily progress. So it builds a lot of accountability and credibility around you. So when you build a personal brand around what you're doing, you build a lot of accountability for yourself and you also build your profile on the web. Because believe me not, the internet right now is the most powerful resource that will help you get anywhere and everywhere. So for me, I believe when I was participating in hackathons and going to these events, I made it a point that anything I work on, I put it on my GitHub. If I'm putting it on GitHub, I used to write a blog around it on my Medium or some of the other blog. And then that created a proof of work for me that I have worked on such and such project. I'm capable of doing this. So when you potentially want to start a career in that field and want to start working on projects, people would ask you what you worked on. So you just provide them, you know, either a working demo or some sort of proof that, okay, I worked on this, I can do this, and then it becomes easier. And then you can enter that feel very easily. I've seen people shifting from a, you know, law-based field to a tech-based field. I, I, and I've seen it all. Like people move into and out of tech very easily now. And I think the biggest part of that is the kind of network people are able to build either online or offline. I love that. I hear you when you started talking about building a personal brand. Um, you mentioned GitHub. You mentioned um, like blogging or portfolios on Medium and uh, mm -hmm. WordPress. Are there other sites that you think um, new technologists, people who've been in the field for years, should absolutely be on to build their brand? I think LinkedIn and Twitter. I think they are really big. Um, they will help you connect with like-minded people. They will help you build a network for yourself. I think in terms of getting help, Twitter, Tech Twitter is really great. Uh, the kind of resources I have found on Tech Twitter, they are amazing. And then I also feel that um, when it comes to blogging, right, people feel that they need to be good at writing. Uh, that's not the case. I think people should put out what they truly believe um, is the technology that they're building because everybody is going to look at the tech they are building from their angle or from their perspective. And that's the perspective people want to see. That's what's differentiating you from other people who are also building in the same space. Another thing I feel is that um, there are multiple tech blogs, though Medium is one. People also prefer starting their own blog either on WordPress or an independent website. So you could also do that. But I feel having a good presence on LinkedIn and Twitter will help you kind of connect. It'll help you build a network for yourself. So people in that similar field will also know that if you are building something and there's also another person building something, then you can connect, you can get early feedback from people and you can fail faster. So I think that's the kind of leverage social media does have and we should exploit it as much as we can. 
I definitely agree. Social media is a powerful tool in, in brand building and just getting exposure. Um, you have been like a podcast host and you've been up in front of a lot of people in many different ways, just um, sharing about your tech journey. Can you speak a little bit to the importance of public speaking and maybe give some advice for technologists who um, may be a bit more introverted or who haven't had their first like public speaking opportunity? Absolutely. It's a really good question. And I think um, a lot of people ask me this thing that, um, what is the benefit of public speaking? Why should I do it? I think the, the benefits are multifaceted. It's not just one. First thing is when you put yourself out in the world, when you talk about something, you're going to learn a lot from the people who are whom you are addressing to. I think that's the first and very important thing. Um, you're not just imparting knowledge, but you are also gaining back a lot of knowledge. Second thing is that when you are presenting something in a public setting, it opens a lot of horizons for you in terms of networking, in terms of sharing your knowledge, in terms of sharing your work. So again, it helps you build a great uh, personal brand for yourself. And at the same time, I feel public speaking as a platform helps you bring yourself closer to the community, right? In terms of machine learning and AI, I think the community is really, really helpful. And once I started giving talks around the kind of things I was working on or technologies that I was exploring, and when... I spoke to the people also working on building similar stuff, the kind of resources I was able to get to, you know, improve my research, also build new features into the things I was building. I think that has been the advantages have been exponential, I feel. And again, another thing is that public speaking is not just about going to conferences and giving talks. It's about just coming out and sharing what you feel. So for a lot of people, a lot of people feel Python is a really great language, right? While a lot of people do not understand the crux of that language. So I have seen people coming out, shooting a two minute video, just talking about the basics of Python, which people probably don't understand correctly or very, very small misconceptions about it. So when you start putting yourself out in front of the people, right, you understand things even better because now you have to explain it to somebody else. And I think that was the whole reason I also started podcasting. Um, back in 2020, I was working with another community called Co-Learning Lounge, and we were doing these podcasts to bring stories of entrepreneurs out in the world and connect with them so that more people can learn. And recently I started another podcast. It's called The Learning Curve. It's about my journey of uh, learning life lessons and certain productivity hacks that have been very helpful in my journey so far. So I just wanted to share it with the world. It might not be the best high quality podcast out there, but at least I'm able to share some part of my knowledge out with the world. And I think that's the biggest thing people should understand. Um, you know, go apply to that uh, CFP, go apply fill in that application, give your first talk. It could be in front of 10 people. It could be in front of 100. doesn't matter. What matters is that how confidently you are able to put out things in front of people and what you are able to take back from them. Because at the end of the day, we are one big community and we are all here to learn. I absolutely love that. I know that we were we started out talking about public speaking, um, but I'd be interested in just hearing you talk because we talked about we're talking about unconventional ways to get in tech, right? And um, we talked about boot camps and hackathons and um, building your brand. What what advice would you give to someone who has taken an unconventional route, 
for interviewing and showcasing their knowledge and their expertise beyond public speaking? Like what, what should they be preparing when they're looking at roles if they haven't taken a traditional route? Okay. I think um, I'll reiterate on what I mentioned before as well. When you're going on the untraditional route, you need to have a proof that you are still capable, right? Because from a traditional route, education does that for us. If you're coming from a college, if you've done some sort of degree, it means that you have certain sort of curriculum that you followed. So you are qualified. When you're going out there on the basis of your skill, you should have a good portfolio of projects in whichever field you want to go. If you are someone who's a full stack developer, you should have good full stack apps that you can demo, that you can show to people. And then in terms of machine learning and AI, you should have good portfolio projects that demonstrate the kind of understanding you have. Try to keep it diverse. And another thing I feel that is really important is a lot of the times when people focus on building projects, they sometimes lose the essence of their fundamentals. Fundamentals in terms of technology, it could be in terms of any computer uh, language that you are practicing. So be very clear there, because those are the things, bases which you'll be building the foundation of anything and any company that you work for. And there's one more thing I'd like to mention, like while there are traditional companies which still follow a very standard process of testing you on your problem solving abilities, but I think that dynamic slowly is changing. Uh, people are focusing more on a project oriented approach to understand how well you're able to build things than just understanding how well you're able to solve the problems from a programmatic perspective. So the key takeaways would be build a good portfolio of your projects have some documentation around it, like have well-documented projects on your GitHub. And then if possible, do write blogs around it. And that blog could be about how you started building it, what were the technologies you used, and certain challenges that you ran into, because that really shows that you really experimented with some technology, what did you learn out of it, and how you were able to get a successful working solution out of it. So that, that's like a comprehensive view of whatever you are trying to build and create a good proof of work for you as well. Thank you. Um, I would, you know, AI is at the front of a lot of conversations right now um, in the tech industry, in the social world. Um, I'd love to hear you talk about your work in AI and, and machine learning and just um, the things that you, you've made possible through your career journey. Absolutely. I believe, um, AI has a lot of aspects to it. There's a whole research aspect, and then there's a whole uh, application aspect to it. And I think I've seen both of them. Early in my college, I got into the research field of AI where I was exploring autonomous driving and how to make it more safer. And then uh, I explored certain things like how recommendation of Spotify works. And I wanted to understand because the kind of recommendations I was getting were not that great. So I wanted to dig deep, understand how it works. And slowly, I think with uh, time, we moved to a phase where AI had penetrated pretty much every field. And people had started losing confidence in uh, you know, how AI is working. Is it really, I mean, if you remember, there was a time when AI had done things which we never expected it to do. There were AI bots who were learning things inherently from what their programmers even didn't want them to learn. So that is the time where I wanted to understand how is AI learning things? And that's when I ventured into the explainable AI field. And I think um, this is again, a very budding field. A lot of people are working on it to understand 
how models are learning right and um, that, that's that's like a very deep dive on understanding what that model that's classifying dogs from cats is working or why if your credit card application is getting declined why did it get declined so all those kind of things will become more valid now how these things will help is that we will have more confidence in the kind of applications we will use because we'll be able to understand why ai works a certain way and then i think right now uh, chat gpt and these uh, generative models are the real buzz and i think they are revolutionary back in 2019 uh, i i think uh, bert and the likes of those models like transformers they were a big thing they were a huge thing and now if i look at it those transformers that have taken the shape of gpt 3.5 and gpt 4 i think uh, they are going to change the way we use the web i feel a lot of people think it will replace their jobs or people won't be able to do things but i think it's a great augmentation tool it's it's like having your personal assistant who will give you a starting point and then you can use their expertise to build great things on top of it so it will bring down the time which you usually used to take to do things so i think it's a win win situation for everyone and another great thing i feel about ai is that it enables a lot of things back when uh, blind people couldn't see right what ai enabled is that we could describe the scenes for them we could read the text to them we could convert their emotions to text a lot of these things were possible because of ai i remember i had worked on one project where i wanted to help people who communicate through sign language so i built a very small application where people could just stand in front of a camera enact it and that would convert it into a complete sentence thus reducing that bridge between people who do not understand sign language versus people who only know sign language and can communicate through that so ai can be used in a lot of ways for social good and solving problems that are really prevalent especially in the indian subcontinent i feel uh, there are a lot of problems in terms of existing processes for the rural part of india and in the medical sector that have really you know changed the way we see things and have also reduced the pain points of people in that field as well so i think we are at a stage where ai can really change and can really benefit people so the more number of applications we are going to build and use it i think uh, the possibilities are endless you really you sparked so many questions in my mind um and i'm i'm going to try to i'm going to try to remember them all so i can ask them um the first question i want to ask you because you, you talked about um just people thinking um with uh ai development and, and trending and chat gpt people are going to lose their jobs and um they're going to be replaced i'd love to hear you talk about just ethics and ai and what that means for you in the tech industry right i think uh, you asked a very good question <laughs> and that has a lot of answers but i'll try to try to come up with an answer based on my experience in this field so as i mentioned i had started understanding the explainable ai field sometime back and while i was doing that i realized that a lot of the times ai doesn't actually learn what we want it to learn right and it and it happens more often than not because at the end of the day nobody is checking like when we are building models at a very huge scale then these kind of checks happen but when we are looking at very very small applications within our apps right we don't understand what actually it's learning sometimes if you're using our instagram right 
you'll get very random recommendations on your reels. It could be your explore page. And same happens in a lot of advertisements as well. Now, if, if I talk about ethics, I think it boils down to the kind of data that is being consumed by all of these AI. And, and that, 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 that's a very debatable field because I'm a very big advocate for data privacy. And that's the whole reason why I'm very inclined to the Web3 which is the web which is trying to change that whole dynamic. Now, I feel that the kind of data you're going to give to your AI is the way it's going to respond. And since we are moving towards an era where the models are getting more complexer, complexer than a human brain, I think it's just, I, won't, I would say I can't even comprehend what the AI might end up learning because I just remember a very funny instance. I was just using GPT-4, uh, like chat GPT, and then I was trying to, uh, you know, play around with it and trying to understand what it would do in a situation where I was just tensed or I was trying to get a solution to a problem. The first go, chat GPT just said, I can't do it for you. And then when I asked it that, think of it that you are a detective, you are in this situation and it's a do or die situation. You have to come up with a solution. It gave me an answer. So it's about how you're going to stage situations. It again boils down to the kind of data you're feeding. Your AI is going to learn things differently. So in terms of ethics, right, I think we are at that juncture where ethical AI and transparent AI is really important because in 2020, AI itself was a black box. And I think that black box coverage has become so high that people really don't understand um, how they're getting intertwined in that web. So I think people should be more conscious of the kind of data that is getting exposed to all of these uh, algorithms that are running. I think pretty much any application that we use today uses our data and then uses AI on top of it, either to give us recommendation or to improve our user experience in some way or the other. And while I feel that's great, I also feel that there's a lot of breach of privacy that happens in that entire process. And I would love to see a web where we can do away with that. And I think we already have a good version of that web. It's just that it will take some years for a wider adoption for it. Um. You also said earlier, you talked a little bit about AI and machine learning in terms of like the medical field and, and social good. Um, I'd love to hear you just speak a little bit more about that, how um, either AI machine learning or the tech industry as a whole um, can create change or be used for social good. Absolutely, sure. I think um, the if you go back to the COVID times, right, 2019, our health systems were crumbling, right? And I think that's the best time where I have seen some really innovative solutions that came out to the front line. And they were using AI, obviously, to you know, increase the speed with which diagnosis was happening. I, I can tell you what one such company, it's called Cure.ai. Um, now, they are into the space where they give you AI-based uh, diagnostics of your x-ray of your CT scans and, and a bunch of other things. So while the entire, if you remember during COVID, there was one particular city in India called Mumbai, which had the maximum number of cases. And there was a huge shortage of frontline workers who could go ahead and do that. So back then, uh, their technology was able to do twice or thrice as much scannings and uh, instant results using their AI than a physical doctor would have done. And I think similar advancements in the you know, cancer space 
but people are using AI to identify benign or malignant cancers. I think that's that is the space which has evolved a lot. Now, I feel that AI itself cannot replace a doctor. It again acts as a helping hand for the doctor to take a much more wiser decision than they would have taken alone. Think of AI as a group of expert surgeons assisting you to take a decision. That's what I feel AI is. AI is a superpower that is guiding you to take more informed decisions. And I think in the healthcare space, be it diagnostics, I think AI has also come up a lot in the AR and VR space where it is used for training in terms of surgery, in terms of uh, testing any kind of simulation to understand the success rates of any kind of complex surgeries to build better advancements. There are also places where AI robots have done very complex surgeries in half the time that a doctor would have taken and with higher precision. So in an era where, um, you know, there are more and more number of medical problems that are getting identified, having AI as our support system, as a first line of defense would be really helpful. And I'm, I'm really hopeful that this space will become, uh, you know, with the advancement of AI, I think we'll be able to cater to more problems and offer solutions to a wider population. And I also feel that AI is not just something which is solving the regular diagnostic problems, but it is also solving a lot of um, social good initiatives as well. And I think uh, some of them are how AI has enabled, um, I would say, an, a better, a more sustainable environment for people who, who are blind, who are dumb and deaf. They're able to experience life as is, because with the absence of AI, probably they wouldn't have ever been able to understand what's happening right in front of them. And uh, I also feel there are a lot of these uh, wearable devices which have inherent AI running on top of the data they are capturing from sensors, especially for the blind people, that will help them uh, you know, walk the streets very safely. Then uh, there are a lot of apps that help you provide more safety at times where you are distressed, right? Mental health is an initiative where AI is booming because with the advancement of um, GPT-4 models, we can actually impersonate human behavior, human-like behavior in chatbots. So when you don't have someone to talk to, you still have a resource to go. You can feel like you're talking to a person. While I feel that this will take some time for it to become a common practice or become more widespread, but I think it's a great start. And I have personally used some of these chatbots and they are more human-like than the people I have spoken to. And I was really spellbound by the kind of responses I got from these AI. I was just doing a very fun experiment and understanding how well an AI can understand my problem, but it's really compassionate as far as I have tried it. I have a follow-up question, but I want us to pivot back really quickly um, because I didn't get a chance to ask you more about your hackathons. Um, um, being known as uh, the hackathon girl, um, and this is, we're gonna pivot back to just building your brand just really quickly, because I don't want us to miss it. Um, you, you spoke a lot about people um, joining hackathons or um, creating spaces for themselves to show their expertise. Um, will you just talk a little bit more about how hackathons have helped you grow in your career and build your platform? Absolutely. I think you've asked my favorite question. <laughs> I feel uh, hackathons were the place where I actually, you know, fell in love with building. 
Um, I mean, I was passionate about technology. I wanted to try my hands at different things. But when I went to my first hackathon, I just realized that building is so much fun. I mean, I learned everything during hackathon. It was not just the technology. I learned time management. I learned product management. I learned team building and, and everything around it. You know, when you build something from scratch and you see it right in front of you working end to end, you know, you get an essence that you've built something, you've accomplished something and, and the kind of um, joy you'll get out of doing such fun things, I think that's unparalleled. And I feel that when you go to hackathons, right, you get exposed to a lot of other things which others are building. So your mind gets ignited with a lot of ideas and you don't know which idea might spark you. It also gives you a very great chance to collaborate with people who might be building some other cool stuff around in the world, which probably geographical limits might never let you do. So I think that way, a lot of online hackathons are really beneficial because you connect with such a wide group of people. You get to explore a lot of new technologies. I think you will learn um, faster in a hackathon than you would ever be able to learn in your regular work stream. I give this example to a lot of people, right? Um, I have friends in college who you used to kind of, you know, learn about technology, probably through other YouTube videos or blogs. And I think once they also started coming to hackathons with me, the, the joy, the kind of growth they had in their careers as well is, I think, unparalleled. And why I say this, because firstly, the kind of skills you will get when you go to these hackathons, um, it will take some time for you to develop it in your regular journeys because once you start working in a company or you start freelancing as well, you learn these things by doing. Hackathons provide you the platform to do that. And I think hackathons is also the space where I first started doing public speaking because anything you build, you have to talk about it, right? And once you start talking about things that you're passionate about, that kind of uh, gives you a forefront to do it more. So I think... Uh, it's just, I would say, a huge pool of opportunities, you know, waiting for you to come, tap its potential, and take whatever you can out of it. Um, I love that. You you wanted to kind of share a little bit about how building in public um, can teach you more than anything else. And you, you shared on it um, by talking about hackathons and um, building your brand and just your experience um, with AI and machine learning. Is there anything else that you would share with technologists who um, have not had the opportunity to begin building in public or who um, are just getting started out and don't know where to begin? Absolutely. I think I was in that stage a few years back because while I was in college, I was too fearful of putting myself out there because anybody would feel a bit vulnerable in doing that. You might feel that you are too naive right now to put whatever you're building out there in the world, or probably it's just too simple to talk about in a blog. But you know what? Once you start talking about things, everybody in general will have a unique approach to how they would solve a problem. And that is what is going to you know, help you take that journey of learning. So let me take a very, very simple example. Let's say you want to build a website and uh, you want to use something as basic as um, probably Node.js and React. You just want to use that stack. And say you are someone who's just started learning it. So you might do some things which are very basic in a very rudimentary way. So once you start writing about what you're building, you will also talk about certain challenges that you ran into, right? And when you talk about all of this, put it out in the public, 
the community will tell you or community will reach out to you and tell you of better ways of how you can improve it. Or they will also give you some sort of early feedback with which you'll be able to improve whatever you are building. And I think that kind of advice came in very handy for me because when I started building things and you know trying my hands with very new technologies, I didn't have good resources to go out to because whenever something new comes up, the documentation is really low. So you obviously need to reach out to people who have already built something on top of it and have already seen these kind of failures early on. So I think that way, when you build in public, you get to have a lot of support for you. And you also have, you know, something as a learning for yourself as well. That while you were building this, this is the process you followed. This is the ideas that got sparked. And then that unique approach that you put out in the world, again, becomes like an accountability meter for you to come back, do it, finish it, and then put out something that you're really proud of building. I love that. So a couple of times, maybe more than a couple, um, you said um, something towards um, failing or being allowing yourself to fail so that you can grow. Will you speak specifically to how just the importance of allowing yourself to fail as you're growing in tech? Absolutely. I think uh, you've, you've touched upon a really, really important point. Um, I think I'll go back to my own time um, during college. Um, I think I was in second year. That's when I had first applied for a research paper. I was working on in, uh, something in the human computer interaction space and trying to uh, visualize the entire analytics that data analysts or data scientists do in a VR world so that it could be more fun for them and also more collaborative. And I was really excited that this paper would go on. I'd be able to, you know, published my first paper as a young junior scientist and all of the other things. But to my surprise, that never got published and it got rejected not once, but twice. And uh, I think uh, that was like the biggest setback that first happened in college. And at one point, I felt that research was not for me. I mean, I couldn't do it and I shouldn't do it. But I, uh, you know what I did at that time? I talked to people who had done it. My seniors, um, other uh, uh, PhD fellows in my college to understand uh, their journeys. And all of them told me that they all had failed in similar ways, one time or the other. So I think uh, awareness is very important in the whole process of when you are treading either in tech or in any personal journey. And I think with awareness, you have more room to fail because you know that even if you fail, there's an alternative path that you can take to reach your goal any which ways. And I think uh, this approach of having knowledge about what kind of journey you are treading onto is really important. And I think now with uh, people sharing more about their journeys, it's more easy because you can read about other stories. You can uh, understand what people did to reach where they are. And that kind of will give you more insights into what are the ways in which you can fail. So you will have some kind of information, some room that, okay, even if I fail, I can get back up, I can try something else. So you won't have, you won't be fixated on that approach, but you'll rather be interested in the journey than just the destination. So I think it's, it's more important to keep yourself aware in that aspect. And also a lot of people just focus on destination, right? A lot of uh, people that I have seen, they do their degrees, they want to get a job, but I feel they should focus on the the learning journey of reaching till that point how good is that what are the things that you're going to pick 
once you reach there. So I think it's more about uh, focusing on the process than just the destination. That's amazing, Laisha. I love that so much. You've already given uh, so much wisdom uh, for people, for diverse women um, and other technologists who want to get in tech. Is there any final wisdom that you would give that you think is important for people to know as they're either pivoting into tech, starting out, maybe they're in college and they're just trying to get get their footing? Um, What wisdom would you give? I think... um, uh... I would like to focus on one thing is, which is, uh, you know, some sort of self-confidence. A lot of people have inhibitions that probably they can't do it or probably they're too early in their journeys to do it. I think uh, what's important is put yourself out there in the world. Even if you fail, that's all right. I think the kind of lessons you will get after failing, um, you won't get it without failing at all. So let yourself fail. Like uh, I would say that, if you look at an opportunity and you feel that you can't do it, I would say, go ahead and do it. Apply to all the kind of things that you feel might be out of scope for you or you would never get selected. Do it. You never know what opportunity might strike you. You might make it. And that is going to change the way your journey is going to progress or the kind of career you're going to build for yourself. And I think that has worked out not just for me, but for so many more people in the tech space. And Another thing I would say is that, you know, you don't have to do all of these things alone. Find a mentor for yourself. People are very helpful. Reach out to the community. Find somebody who's doing things that you ideally want to do. And, you know, talk to them. Understand how did they get there? What are the things they did? And then they'll be able to guide you and you'll be able to better navigate things and not feel lost in that whole journey. So I think uh, putting yourself out there, being vulnerable and finding a good mentor. Those are the three things I'll say. Thank you so much, Laisha. My last question for you today is, how do you think we can all work together to make tech better? Absolutely. I think um, in the tech space, community is amazing. Like community is also a huge aspect of how tech is driven, of how Trek is adopted. And I feel um, in my own personal journey, uh, the kind of people that have helped me by in my own learning journey, I think I wouldn't have been here if I didn't have the right mentors at the right stage. So I think uh, it's more about collaboration. It's more about sharing and learning at the same time. And I think with that motto, the tech space is going to, uh, you know, create a huge, huge impact on the people. And that's why we are seeing more and more people coming into the space because the kind of uh, outreach that we have, the kind of collaboration we have, both in terms of efforts, both in terms of learning, I think that's unparalleled. And I think those efforts along with, I mean, I feel today's podcast is also a great medium for people looking to come into this space. So I think it's more about sharing and it's more about learning. And again, reciprocating the same when you are at a stage, you can do that. So that chain reaction of sharing and learning will take this community really, really forward. Thank you, Laisha. I feel like I could ask you one million questions. You have so much knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we close, will you just share with um, all of the listeners how people can get in touch with you, how they can follow you and connect with you if they have questions or just want to learn more? Absolutely. So I am most uh, likely active on LinkedIn and Twitter. On both of the platforms, my username is Laisha Vatwa. And uh, you can reach out to me if you have any questions, you want to know about more about my journey 
feel free to reach out if there's anything uh, where I can add some inputs. I mean, I'm more than happy to help. I also run a podcast of my own called The Learning Curve. So if you're feeling uh, that you want a little bit more of my stories or something that I have seen so far, go check it out on Spotify. And uh, I mean, more than happy to address any questions anybody has. Laisha, you have been such a joy uh, to, to learn from and to learn about. And I'm, I'm really excited for listeners to um, hear about your journey and to connect with you. Thank you so much, Natalia, for having me. It was an absolute delight to talk about my journey. And I hope I inspire fellow people in tech to tread on this journey, keep learning and keep growing. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you all for listening. Um, make sure you subscribe for more. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate and comment.